0: Welcome to Jay Madison's Rural America. It's a journey through the stories impacting rural economies and country lifestyles. Jay Madison's Rural America is also a production of Jefferson County Economic Development. Now here's Jay!
1: Hey there, folks. This is Jay Madison, your host of Jay Madison's Rural America. And my usual co-host, Ron Robbins, is not here today uh, because we've got a studio full of special guests that I'd love to uh, have a great conversation with, and I'll introduce them to you. First, we have Dr. Richard Stupp. He is the Director of Cornell Agricultural Workforce Development. How are you doing today, sir?
2: I'm great, Jay. Glad to be here.
1: Uh, Well, we really appreciate it. And you brought Jay Kansanier with you. He's your new employee at the uh, Ag Workforce Development
2: Program? That's right. Jay's been with us uh, about a month and a half, I think, and uh, we're glad to have him.
1: Now, we let him go from our Jefferson. Well, we didn't actually let him go. We're going to give him a new title. The Jeffer- He's a member of the Jefferson County Ag Development Council. So if I pick on him a little bit, is that okay with you, sir?
2: Please go ahead.
1: <laughs> now I've got permission, Jay.
0: Yeah, you didn't ask me for permission.
1: No, no I didn't. <laughs> How you doing, sir?
0: Good, Jay. Glad to be back.
1: Well, we appreciate coming on the podcast. This is your first time on the podcast, isn't it?
0: First time for a podcast. Several times on the radio show, but first time for the podcast.
1: Yeah, he was a homegrown show veteran over the 21 years we were on the air. Uh, he joined us several times. So he's got a little experience putting up with me. So, But it's very good to have both of you with us. i um, real excited to talk about the Cornell Agricultural Workforce Development Program that program, you know, workforce is such a huge issue we see across every industry right now. You know, we had this big disappearance if you will of work of the workforce from all of our industries. Has that impacted uh, agriculture the same way it's impacted other industries, Dr. Stoop?
2: I think it's fair to say it has. It's just that whereas the workforce shortage is relatively new and a lot of the uh, other industries, we've been dealing with it for 10, 15 years in agriculture. We and were that already is true. shorthanded.
1: Yeah, that is true. But did you, uh, and I think you might have just said this,
2: Did it? was
1: it exacerbated with the great retirement or whatever the terminology is that people are using uh, to refer to the loss of the workforce and on the other industries that occurred over the past year or two?
2: Yeah, I think it did get exasperated, no doubt. So agriculture, the ag workforce isn't totally separate from the rest of the economy. And so when the rest of the economy has low unemployment and the workforce is really tight, that certainly affects agriculture as well. There, there's not an exact overlap between ag, the ag workforce and the rest of the economy, for sure. You know, there's certain people that are only going to be focused on working in, in agriculture. But um, with, uh, with uh, the tightening up of labor in other parts of the economy, it creates other opportunities. People who may have worked on farms before, now often are finding jobs in other sectors because there's plenty of jobs available for anyone who wants to work. So when that function starts to take place, it just makes things tighter and tighter for farm employers.
1: Dr. Stup, we were just in a uh, meeting with uh, farmers and people from Cornell Cooperative Extension here in the North Country. And one of the things that was referenced was uh, truck drivers. And, you know, uh, here at Jefferson County Economic Development, we've been hearing that and dealing with it on the non-ag side, and it sounds like that's one of the pieces uh, that's uh, happened here is the agricultural transportation sector uh, looking for people to drive trucks.
2: Yeah, you think about it, Jay, um, all those ag commodities, both the materials that come to the farms... And then the products that leave the farms, somebody needs, needs to drive a truck somewhere along the line. And so that issue, the, the, the driver shortage, which is, again, not just agriculture, that's throughout the right, economy, right. but it's especially difficult in agriculture right now. In fact, my understanding is that that driver shortage has started to slow down linkages uh, throughout the agricultural supply chain.
1: Yeah. And, and, you know, we, uh, Ron and I, on uh, previous uh, episodes of the show here, we've talked about that, that there's that ripple effect is coming. Unfortunately, there's not much we can do to stop it in the short term. And uh, it's it's very concerning. But I want to back up. We sort of dove off into the, the water a little bit here, but... Um, I think it's appropriate now to talk about the program that you're in charge of, uh, the Cornell Agricultural Workforce Development Program. Is that the proper way to refer to it, Dr. That's right. Stoke? That's right. Uh, tell us a little bit about that program. What's it all about in general?
2: So the program started about five years ago. We're based at Cornell, but we have very, very strong connections to the ag industry. And so our our team works really closely with with farmers and with agribusinesses and throughout the whole ag sector, which is really important in New York, especially in rural areas. And um, so we always focus on three pieces. And the first piece I'll say is regulatory compliance. So working with farm employers and agribusiness employers to be compliant with both state and federal employment regulations. And as you can imagine, that's taken a lot of time (laughs) in the last few years.
1: God bless you. <laughs> that's all I'll say. God bless you. That's, it's been crazy. It's yeah. been crazy. So, yeah. So that's one big piece. And you said you work with farmers, agribusinesses, and processors on the regulatory
2: side? Primarily farmers, okay. by far. Okay. Um, and then I'd say agribusinesses because in many cases, agribusinesses are, are working closely with farmers as well. So we like to interact with that group um, not as much at this point with the processors, although you know they're only one step away, and we've certainly done educational programs for different uh, processor groups. It, they're just not quite our priority focus, sure, at, sure. or haven't been up until this point. Um, so, so it's it's mostly farmers, mostly the really farmers, farm employers,
1: and that's that's such a critical resource in helping our our farmers our farm businesses here in New York state understand and be in compliance with the the regulations that are coming down and there's certainly a lot of them i don't know how and and, and we actually heard this from one of the farmers we were just talking with i don't know how the farms uh, the farm owners can keep up with all of the regulations all of the things that they need to change Uh, to be in compliance with those regulations and running this very complex business called farming at the same time. So it really is good to have a program like yours in place to help them do that.
2: We work to try to have programs and resources and things on our website, uh, tools that farms can pick up and adapt those tools pretty quickly to their uh, own operation. Because, you know, regulations have to be adopted and applied within the specific farm setting. You know, if you've got 10 employees, it's different than if you have 50 employees. Sure. So um, we try to help them to be able to adopt that in a in a way that is practical. Because a lot of times when a regulation comes out, um, the farmers need to figure out exactly how can we apply this in the setting. And in fact, there have been a few incidences where We've worked with the the state and with some of the regulators to help them to understand how things really work in in agriculture and uh, with ag employers, and there have been some adjustments made to help them to um, make the regulations actually work and and be workable in the farm context.
1: You know, one of the the big issues right now that our farms are trying to figure out, and I just saw, I think there was a study came out from Cornell that uh, touched on this. Is that uh, uh, the um, overtime threshold regulation? Now it's at sixty hours currently, and in ten years it's going to move down to forty hours. That's something I'm sure that you have probably pulled your hair out with, although you obviously doesn't show that you've been pulling your hair out. Not like myself that has a forehead that's getting more and more exposed. Um, but anyways, and I won't say anything about Jay. Uh, <laughs> anyways, um you know that has been a huge issue here in New York, and how involved have you been both in the educational side for the legislature and trying to help them learn about this and now looking at the compliance side with the farms? How big of an issue has that been for you?
2: It's been enormous yeah. uh, as you can imagine. so um, over time unions and the various other regulations that have been at first proposed and then passed in the legislature and now implemented in many ways um, have been a huge part of, of our regulatory program, um, under, helping people to understand those regulations and how they apply to their farm. And beyond that, helping uh, decision makers like in the legislature um, to understand what are some of the implications of these policies, how might they really affect farms uh, uh, so that we can make sure that we have, have the strongest possible uh, uh, farm industry as we can uh, in the state. It's uh, affected us in a great way. We've been doing a lot of research in the last couple of years. First of all, every few years we do some compensation studies just to understand how our farm employees being paid and how much are they being paid and uh, a lot of people are surprised when they see the numbers that come out how much compensation is
1: well and i was just going to ask you one of the common things that i hear from the non-farm public is oh well you know they need to pay minimum wage and they need to pay reasonable rates to their employees and that's far from the truth the and correct me if i'm wrong but farm workers actually are paid paid pretty well in general.
2: Oh, sure. Farm workers, um, yeah, minimum wage is usually um, a starting point, if that. Uh, uh, In many cases, uh, minimum wage isn't enough to start workers on farms. And so uh, uh, employees on farms then are often making much more than minimum wage, they also have a good set of other benefits. Benefits that people don't realize yeah.
1: the benefits sometimes.
2: Yeah, and and so we do those studies and, and share that information. And uh, farm workers are doing pretty well. And then you start talking about uh, middle managers on farms, and those are really good uh, long-term career-like um, uh, salaries and uh, overall packages that they are receiving. And so it's kind of uh, in many ways, uh, farm work is a uh, kind of a hidden gem especially because you can live in a rural area where you've got a lower cost of living and make a pretty good um, salary and compensation. And um, so it sure beats uh, living in uh, New York City.
1: Yeah, that's for certain, at least in my opinion. Anyways, um, we're talking with Dr. Richard Stoop. He is the director of Cornell Ag Workforce Development. Now, under that regulatory banner, just to bring Mr. Kianzner, who's sitting here with us, into the conversation uh, one of the regulatory compliance issues is housing. And you've been able to bring Jay on as as uh, to help farms deal with that. Can you tell us a little bit more? And then Jay, we'd welcome you to uh, add to the conversation here.
2: Yeah. So it's something we've always done a little bit of work on, but it's a huge issue. Um, a number of areas. And Jay can share a little bit of um, what some of the different types of housing are that are out there. But uh, a lot of farms do provide housing, whether it's uh, seasonal or permanent, and there's not all farmers are excellent land uh, landlords, right? So, uh, <laughs> yeah.
1: a there's of, a lot of landlords that are an excellent <laughs> well, landlords. but I didn't say that. Anyways, <laughs> I'm sorry. That's
2: true, too, but anyway, the, the whole landlord aspect of it is uh, is something over and above regular farm management, and so we've been working with... Um, uh, with farmers to to learn to do a better job, better communications, um, and understanding what are some of the regulations around that. But it's just a big issue. And one thing I will say that there's there's actually a lot of building and a lot of uh, exploring the opportunities to to build and uh, add additional housing right now. And so these issues were were just exploding. We were getting a lot of questions, and it was obvious to us that that was an area we needed to add some staff again. So I was very happy to be able to bring Jay in. Um, to to really address some of these issues.
1: So, Mr. Kanzanier, we're talking with Jay Kanzanier, and he is the Extension Support Specialist. I didn't give your title earlier, I'm sorry. Uh, The Extension Support Specialist, brand new, uh, for the Cornell Ag Workforce Development Program. And so one of the areas you're going to be working in is housing. And what are you getting, I mean, you've only been there how long?
0: Oh, about two months.
1: Two months. What are, what are you getting from the farms? What kind of response are you getting uh, when you say one of the issues you're going to deal with is housing?
0: Well, now that they found me, I'm getting a lot of response. <laughs> uh, it seems like every day I'm getting more and more phone calls from farms that are looking to upgrade their housing or build new housing. And they want to know that they're doing it in compliance with current regulations and looking forward into the future to make sure they stay compliant.
1: So for the general public that might be listening to this, they might be thinking, oh, well, farmers just have a, have a shack out back and there's cots and the workers just sleep there. Is that true?
0: No, that's not true. A lot of farms now are moving to more towards a dormitory style housing, which is it's very nice. It's very comfortable, um, can accommodate, you know, as many men as they need and built built to those uh, specifications and standards. And it's very comfortable. A lot of these farms are looking at their housing as a way to attract employees. So they're making it very comfortable uh, so that the employees stay there and want to, want to work for them versus someone else or some other industry.
1: So, so let's say, for example, the farm might employ, uh, you know, foreign workers. Um, what would be the, and I'm, you know, in general, what would be the, the uh, regulatory agency for that, that the farm then has to deal with?
0: There are several uh, regulatory agencies they have a hand in it between the State Department of Health, uh, OSHA, those are the two big ones. Um, and they they're, they're St- standard building codes with slight uh, tweaks to make them specific to farm worker housing. So it
1: actually goes beyond just the the local, you know, um, what am I looking for, the fire regulations in that?
0: The state the state uh, uniform fire and building code has to be adhered to always. Um, okay. So that's, that's going to supersede everything. But then under that fall the special regulations by... Uh, Department of Health, at, which there's a special set of regulations within the Department of Health for seasonal and temporary farm workers, um, and then also through OSHA. Huh. So there's 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 several sets of regulations they have to be looked at. So there's
1: a lot that a farm has to be in compliance with regarding housing for foreign work foreign workers, as an example. Correct. So what what are you thinking? Your, I mean. Is it just technical assistance that you're going to be providing on the housing side of things, or are there programs that you're foreseeing to develop here? Just a question in general. Maybe you don't have that answer yet.
2: I'll jump in there just for a moment. Dr. So, Stu. Yeah, so um, just just to be clear on, on one thing. So if um, there's different sets of regulations, regulations, depending on whether the the employees are permanent, or if they're seasonal, oh, okay. So, so that's just one clarification there. Yeah. So um, we're working on, of course, uh, helping uh, farms uh, you know, understand those sets of regulations to begin with, but then also helping them to find and uh, understand some some of the more modern designs and more modern types of housing that people are using, so that that can last and be comfortable, as as Jay was saying there for sure.
1: Is he going to be enough? <laughs> i mean he's got to cover all of new york state doing yeah. this
2: well you got to start somewhere so uh, <laughs> we, we we may have to add some staff um, as the time goes by as the uh, bank continues to increase that's true well, it's, i it's mean big state.
1: that just sounds like a, it, that one thing sounds huge to me especially as we see more dairy farms moving towards uh, h2a employees
2: yeah yeah so You know, classically, dairy farms would be year-round employment. Right. um, And the H-2A program, which is for foreign guest workers in the country, um, is only for seasonal farm employment. And uh, so some dairy farms have have started to bring in H-2A workers for that seasonal component of their business. So cropping operations would be the... Classic situation right, for, right. for seasonal workers, and so yeah, the housing in that case then uh, has to meet that H two A program, which Jay was talking about from uh, OSHA and Department of Health.
1: Hmm. Wow, I mean that's 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 a lot. So yeah. so with with um, with the housing component, Jay uh, talking with Jay Can's near extension support specialist for Cornell uh, Ag Workforce Development, in addition to the the foreign workers. For the domestic worker, the person who happens to live here, if the farm provides housing for that, which some farms do, um, there's regulations regarding that as well?
0: They, those regulations would fall under the Uniform State Building Code.
1: So that would be the normal. The normal. Normal. Right,
0: normal. Opera, uh, the normal... Um, Regulations to get a, certificate of, a okay. certificate of occupancy.
1: And are there farms that do provide housing for local, I mean, domestic workers?
0: Absolutely. Many houses. May, many farms have provide housing for their key employees. It's a perk. Like you mentioned before, it's a perk of their employment.
1: Yeah, and, and people, you know, the public doesn't necessarily realize that. Because we we heard with the, the whole overtime threshold and all of that, we heard that it was really bad for farm workers and the public doesn't know well cheapers when you take a look at what farm workers are getting it's as you said, not that bad there at Dr. Stoopstead it's not that bad. Oh, the pays good. The benefits are pretty decent when you somebody's providing you a home. Um, so you you also assist with that. Yes okay. Uh, Dr. Stoop going back to you sir, we're talking with Dr. Richard Stoop, director of Cornell AG Workforce Development. Um, you said okay, so there's the regulatory regulatory component. Then there's two more. Yeah. What's the second one?
2: Oh, great! I'm glad you came back
1: around <laughs> to that. <laughs> well, I wanted I wanted to get the regulatory part in because that you know that's a lot of what I hear
2: for sure. Yeah, yeah it's it's been a huge topic. The second part then is what I call management development, and so. Okay. That is everyone from the, the first-line supervisor who's, you know, just made the move from uh, I'm, I'm an individual performer to I'm now supervising other people. Uh, a lot of times we have uh, employees that get promoted, and this is not just agriculture, but certainly happens on farms a lot. Sure. They get that first promotion, and they haven't had any training at all on how to lead people, how to supervise people. So we do training in that area. Um, as well as all the way to uh, top leaders and uh, you know owners of farms, helping them to be better at leading and managing their their businesses overall. So that's the second second area, and in particular, something we're pretty proud of. In the last couple of years, we've developed a online um, supervisory leadership course that's uh, six six courses that go into a certificate.
1: I I saw that on your website. Uh, what, do you remember what's the name of that program?
2: It's it's called. Um, Agricultural supervisory leadership.
1: Okay, and that they can learn about that right on your website, correct?
2: They can. And the website is. <laughs>
1: I was gonna. I, I was hesitant to ask you because a lot of times folks forget. Just as I asked the question, so go ahead.
2: Yep, it's uh, agworkforce, all one word ag dot cals dot cornell dot edu.
1: Okay, say it one more time for our listeners.
2: You bet ag dot dot cornell dot edu
1: all right great very good because i i was hesitant to ask because like i said sometimes when i ask for a phone number or a website all of a sudden i get the deer in the headlights look and they start going oh i don't remember (laughs) (laughs) because they don't have to say it too often so good job sir all right dr stoop so uh, the 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 leadership the supervisory skills develop. Development would be the second prong of the programs that you offer. What's the third?
2: The third, then, is workforce development. And so when when I talk about workforce development, what I mean is, okay, where is our workforce coming from in two years, five years, ten years down the road, and what are the skills going to be that they need to be successful on those farms? Um, Mm -hmm. and, And so, you know, as we've talked about already, farms is a big part of it, and it's our focus, but it's also processing, it's also, it's also all the jobs that are in the whole food system are all important. Our particular little niche is the farms and trying to, uh, sure. try to help grow that. And actually that's part of uh, Jay's portfolio as well, is to help us get going and, and have a more um, structured approach to that so we can begin to attract more people uh, into agriculture and retain those people in agriculture.
1: So, Doctor Stup, with with uh, Jay's efforts here, Jay Kansanier's efforts, um, I think I've heard the word apprenticeship uh, discussed. Is that part of the picture?
2: Certainly. As you want to go ahead, Jay.
0: Yeah, sure. So uh, we've recognized we're, we need to attract more employees into agri- into the agricultural industry. So to do that, we need to incent, incent them in some way to give them an opportunity to uh, build. Career skills to advance, and um, you know the, traditionally in agriculture it would be you go to college or either a two-year school or a four-year school. We've recognized that people want to get into the workforce and start working, uh, so we've, we want to give them an opportunity to earn while they learn. So the State Department of Labor has a pretty comprehensive registered apprenticeship program already that many of many other industries use. So we're trying to position ourselves to bring agriculture into that. We've already got. Uh, through the hard work of a few individuals, we've got a registered apprenticeship program in as a dairy specialist. So you can go work on a dairy farm for a while, decide you like it, and then enter into the apprenticeship program, which is a three-year program, uh, three years of on-the-job training, plus uh, about 440 hours of related instruction training, which is basically um, technical training. Like, could be a college course, could be a uh, Cornell Cooperative Extension uh, training opportunity. Um, and then at the end of that, there would be a certificate opportunity um, and that employee would take that certificate with them through their career so we're trying to uh, build probably five more um, apprenticeship opportunities with five different in five different disciplines within agriculture uh, more than likely a field crops a horticulture uh, there's one in the works right now for dairy processing to, to help the processors give their opportunities and uh, give their employees an opportunity to participate. Um, it's uh, it's going to be a good program. There's a lot of work involved in getting it off the ground. It's going to take some time, but we recognize that the employee, if for us to attract new employees outside of agriculture into agriculture, we're going to have to give them the opportunity to develop them, develop and give them some a greater sense of self self worth.
1: So a question, and it's going to take us off the apprenticeship. I think that's a fantastic idea, and it's something that I've heard over the years here as ag coordinator in Jefferson County, I've heard that topic brought up, apprenticeships. It just wasn't something that I had at the time anyways, the ability to help put in place because there's just too many things. So it's good to hear about your program looking at developing apprenticeship programs statewide for agriculture. So I think that's fantastic. What, but moving away from that topic. Question for both of you, Dr. Stoop, Jay Kanzanier. what what do you think is the key, and maybe that's not a fair question, but what do you think is the key to attracting more young people into agriculture? Because, as you said, we we have, you know, we have to start attracting more people into ag. There's great opportunities what's that barrier what is the key to attracting these people into our industry
2: yeah so that's a that's a fantastic question and i'm going to take one step back from <laughs> okay it and, and i'm going to say what happened yeah w- when did we lose them and you know what what has happened is that there's a disconnect that has grown between agriculture and careers in agriculture and really the rest of the population you know, I think back to, to when I was a young person um, and we had a small dairy farm. But, you know, in the summertime, we would hire some of the other boys um, from, from the local community to right. come and work on the farm. Yeah. That doesn't happen so much. Uh, you know, farms are larger uh, than what they used to be. Um, kids are busier. There's a lot more activities and that sort of thing going on. And so there's this disconnect has grown between farms as a source of employment and the communities, and I don't mean just urban communities, I mean even our rural communities. Absolutely. just not not plugged into the farms anymore the way they once were. We've let that happen, and we didn't recognize it at the time, but now we look around and we realize, wait a minute, there aren't as many farm kids as there used to be. A lot of the farm kids have have left and gone and pursued some other careers, and suddenly we've found that we've got a shortage. We don't have enough people in the pipeline coming back uh, to work in agriculture. And so I think the first step is to build awareness. You know, we've talked about the quality of those jobs. We've talked about the opportunity to live in rural areas. Well, you know... A lot of people also have discovered maybe I don't want to spend the rest of my working life in a cubicle somewhere. Yeah, um, and
1: I look at my walls here. <laughs> I have a very nice office, but yeah, it, it gets kind of enclosing at times. Right, bad. Anyways,
2: and, and farm life though it gives you, especially you know some of the higher skill, more technical jobs that are emerging in agriculture. Um, it gives you an opportunity to be inside sometimes, to be out on a piece of equipment sometimes, to be closely examining a crop sometimes, to be working with livestock sometimes, to be doing some analysis on the computer at times. It's a lot of variety that goes into farming today. And uh, those jobs are, are good jobs. They're creative. There's always problems to be solved. There's always challenges to be overcome in a, in a dynamic industry with dynamic businesses like farms are today. And uh, I think that's very attractive. And people don't know about them. And right. We need to change that. We need to uh, begin to have the rest of the population rediscover agriculture. And it's going to help us in a lot of ways.
1: If you would, Dr. Stupp or Jay Canzanier, uh, what what do you think might be some of the things that we can either do better or start doing to to accomplish that, to introduce young people into the industry? Would the apprenticeships be part of that?
0: Absolutely, but I think you touched on a, a more important factor: is the young people. We at an earlier age, we need to reintroduce people to the to the wonderful things that agriculture has to offer, uh, not only from a career standpoint, but from a lifestyle standpoint, and uh, get young people reprogrammed to think that maybe uh, that kind of a life or career is is in their future. Um, and we need to continue to we, we need to continue to make those impressions all the way through school and get them to a point where they are ready to say, okay you know, I, I could possibly entertain a career in agriculture. Uh, right now, there, there aren't um, – right now, that opportunity isn't really staring them in the face. We yeah. need to do a better job of that.
1: Uh, so I'm going to ask you some loaded questions then. Um, the first one being, do people on farms take vacations?
2: People on farms do take vacations. In fact – I think that that's one of the reasons why a lot of farms expanded. It was certainly financial, certainly economies of scale, but it was also lifestyle for the farmers and the farm managers there. And that, you know, again, back when I was a kid, we didn't take many vacations because someone had to be there to milk cows uh, on a small farm. But, um, you know, these days there's enough additional people around that they can schedule time for other people to get off. So, yeah. Yeah. Farmers and farm employees do take vacations.
1: Yeah, because that's one of the things that, you know, the public thinks is, oh, they work 24-7, 365 days a year. And believe me, I'm not detracting from the hard work that a a farmer puts in because I don't want some of the farmers that will be listening to this calling me up as soon as they get done listening saying, hey, you didn't say it the right way. Um, But anyways, so, you know, it is hard work but it's very it can be a very rewarding career path too and there's good pay, good benefits. And I'm not saying everybody makes, you know, tons of money in farming. Some really do struggle hard just like in any other industry. That's correct. There's there's opportunity here for people to have great career paths and do crazy stuff in it and have fun doing it and help other people at times doing it in agriculture gentlemen we need to wrap up what have we missed what's the big thing that i did not ask you about that we need to get across to the public i did not do that good a job come on you gotta have something come on silence jeepers you guys are being awful nice to me here
0: well, Jay, you've got a list. You've got a list on a piece of paper right in front of you, all the things you intended to cover, and I think you checked them all off. So. <laughs> yes, good response.
1: Look at that. He's like a politician. That was a really good response, my friend. And yes, I did check them off. It was actually a pretty short list. A lot of this came up while we were meeting. Thank God. So, uh, but how do people get in touch with you if they want to learn more about this program? There's the website, which is again
2: agworkforce.cals.cornell.edu. cornell. and if you go there, we have a, a regular um, uh, a blog. It's called the Ag Workforce Journal. Oh, and okay. You can, you can put your uh, email right there on the on the website. I can just put it right in there, and then that means that whenever we we do a post, it'll come right to your inbox.
1: Oh, that's fantastic! I think. Actually, I did sign up earlier when I was checking out your website, just to make sure I knew a little bit about what I was talking about. I made sure I signed up for it. Also, could they go to their local county Cornell Cooperative Extension office? Would that be also a conduit to both of you?
2: Absolutely. We work closely with the uh, Extension offices. They know how to reach out to us. They know what what our expertise is in. And so, uh, yeah, they'll make that connection there um, with us. So, Yeah, the website and
0: uh, working with your uh, local educators is a good approach.
1: Okay. Jay, any parting words? Mr. Canzanier.
0: No, we really appreciate the opportunity to get on here and sort of tell a little bit about our program and uh, finally get to be on your your
1: podcast. And the door is always open, my friend. You only live a few miles away, so we know where to find you. But don't wait for us to call you. We'd love to have you bring your information here and we can share it to the world through the podcast, Mr. Kanzanier.
0: Thank you, Mr. Madison.
1: (laughs) Congratulations on the, well, it's not necessarily new, but it's pretty new. Thank you. All right. That was Jay Kanzanier. He is the Extension Support Specialist for Cornell Ag Workforce Development. Dr. Stupp, any parting words?
2: Uh, It's just been great to be here with you here in the North Country. Uh, It's been a great, great welcome. I've seen some beautiful farms today, and so... uh, I uh, look forward to working with you and uh, helping to be a resource as we move forward.
1: Well, we, we really appreciate you coming up here. We appreciate the fact that you brought uh, Jay on staff, uh, because now we, we have a little bit more influence into the program. We can twist his arm. Uh, <laughs> only kidding, uh, but Dr. Stupp, no, it's, it's very appreciated that you uh, came up and, and visited today and came on the show in person, and I'll extend the invite to you, sir um, we can do phone calls. So, um, anytime you want to get information out and you see a podcast as a vehicle, we'd love to have you, uh, share it through us, uh, with the world. So thank you very much, Dr. Stoop for coming on the show today.
2: Thank you, Jay.
1: All right, folks, that is it for our podcast. We really appreciate Dr. Stoop and Jay Kanzanier coming in and joining us today. And we hope that all of you will have a great week or however long it is until we do this again. And uh, stay out of trouble, buy local, and we'll talk to you next time right here on J. Madison's Rural America.
0: Thank you for tuning in to J. Madison's Rural America. Make sure to join us weekly. If you have any questions about the show, call Jay at 315-782-5865. For more information, visit www.agricultureevents.com or jcida.com. Until next time, thanks for tuning in to Jay Madison's Rural America.